Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. Pastor Vicki, this last Thursday, shared a scripture in Mark chapter 15, and I'm going to share it again. It goes along a little bit. Uh, she took it a different way in another subject. It goes along with what I've been teaching on, and I just felt really in my heart to continue to do one more message uh, this month on the power of our words or what we say, how important of what we say and how important it really is. And in Mark chapter 16, starting with 15, it says, Go into all the world, go into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs, say signs, these signs will follow those who believe. We have any believers in the house? Okay, so these signs will follow, okay? These signs are going to follow you if you believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Now, do you really literally believe that they will take up serpents? I really believe that, but I don't believe in handling snakes in church. Thank you for those five amens. I guess the rest of you are snake handlers, right? Sorry, but uh, no, I, I, I don't think we need to tempt the Lord, okay? It's not something I believe we, we need to do. My wife has a philosophy about snakes, all snakes, whether they're good or bad. She says the only good snake's a dead snake. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I don't quite follow that. But I do know that But if you were in a situation, you know, and, um, you know, you didn't, weren't aware of it, and you got uh, uh, attacked by a viper, snake, scorpion, or something like that, you can stand on the scripture. You can say, hey, you don't have the authority to hurt me. I'm not saying don't go to the doctor. I'm not saying deny it. I'm not saying that at all. But you have authority over these things. You know, I'm not, in, uh, you know, invoking drinking anything deadly. But, you know, I do drink coffee every morning, and some people think that's pretty deadly. But uh, anyway, uh, you know, but it won't hurt you. And so, you know, even though we go to other nations and, and things like that and some things are set before us that we've never eaten before, we don't know how it's prepared. You know, there are sometimes I pray, sometimes I pray it silently, but I pray, Lord, kill anything in here that would hurt me, you know, but before I eat it. My wife says I do have a missionary stomach. She says I can eat anything and like everything, and that's just about true. So anyway, right, right here in, in Mark chapter 60. Go into all the world, and these signs will follow. In my name, they'll cast out demons, and they'll speak in new tongues. Well, we know, as I've been doing this series, that the Bible tells us life and death are in the power of the tongue. Isn't that something? You know, we, we understand that, you know, uh, as Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, you know, this is a covenant promise, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be removed and cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he has. He shall have those things which he says. And so the key is, do you believe? You know, I realize that there are some cliches that maybe aren't edifying to God, you know, but nevertheless, you don't really believe that. But yet, you know, I'm still working on speaking positive things no matter what they sound like. You know, you're probably not going to hear me say something like, well, that just makes me sick to death, you know. Uh, you're just not going to hear me say that, even though I don't believe that when I say that or somebody else believes that 
or they, that they believe it when they say it. I don't think they believe that, but it's a saying that we use. Or, you know, other things, you know, that, that we use, cliches that we use, that we don't think about how damaging they really are if we really believe them. But, you know, you have to believe. That's the key. And one of the things to your belief system is this, and that is trusting God's Word. And part of believing is knowing that God will do it for you. So look at your neighbor and say, God will do it for you. God will do it for you. And we're going to see some things here, what the Word of God says about that, because God not only will do it for you, He's already done it for you, and He wants you to have these things. You know, so it says in the book of Mark that, you know, you're, you're, you, these signs will follow that you will speak in other tongues. Well, having a good confession is good because it says in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 13, 14, hold fast to the pattern of sound words, which you have heard from me in faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus, that good things which was committed to you keep by the Holy Spirit of God who dwells in us. I like what the Passion says about that scripture. It says, allow the healing words you've heard from me live in you. And why that is so important is that most people don't know this, but Timothy was the pastor and setting things in order at the church of Ephesus at the time. And some scholars believe that he may have been running a congregation of 100,000 people. Some people even think 300,000 people. But when Nero came into power, he lost 80% of his congregation. So in 1 Timothy, you know, Timothy couldn't do anything wrong. In 2 Timothy, Timothy couldn't do anything right. You know, other words, the political system was destroying people's faith. People got scared. Nero was putting people on stakes and burning them in their garden for their faith, even not just Christians, but Jewish people. You know, he was just a vile, wicked person. And so people didn't want to be persecuted, and they certainly didn't want to light up Nero's garden. And so, therefore, a lot of people left the church. They didn't want to be associated with the church. And it almost sounds like today's, you know, uh, society, there's a lot of persecution coming against the church. What do you mean you don't believe, you know, in transgenderism? Well, I believe what the Bible says. God created man, male and female, and that's the way it is. That's what I believe. You know, I believe that life begins at conception. That's what I believe, you know. I believe some of these things, you know, and some people want to condemn us or they want to shut the church up. They don't want the church's voice to be out there. They want the church to compromise. But I'm here to tell you that many as much when God's in, speak the word of God, and the church is going to be the standard for our society. And I believe that with my whole heart, and that's my confession. And so Paul's saying the healing words you've heard from me to live in, make them a model for your life as your faith and love and the anointed one grows even more and guard well this incomparable treasure of the Holy Spirit in you. Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, as we shared last week, it says, since we have the same spirit of faith and we have the faith of God on the inside of us, we believe, therefore, let us speak. And so the biggest challenge for most of us is that we know God can do these things, but we still struggle with whether God will do it for us. And the second thing we struggle with, well, what if I confess it and it doesn't come to pass? What's it make me look like? And that is being the fear of man. 
And Proverbs says that the fear of man is a snare. It's a trap. If you're fearful of what other people are going to say, then, you know, you need, to be, you need to ask yourself, are you really believing God? A lot of people believe that if Joseph had not shared his dream, he wouldn't have gone through the things that he had gone through. But Joseph activated his dream by sharing his dream. And he was still persecuted for it. And for many years, it looked like Joseph's dream was never going to come to pass. But I'm here to tell you that God still does suddenlies. Amen. Amen. You know, the Bible says, and there was a season where the word tested Joseph. In other words, was Joseph going to continue to believe? And no matter what he went through, he had that dream. And I really believe that dream that he had is what caused him to hold on and trust God. You know, we have a dream, you know, 25 years ago, even longer than that. God spoke to my heart about coming to Columbia, Missouri. And I just felt in my heart that that was God's plan for our lives. But, you know, I told the Lord, I said, I want to go, but I want revival in Columbia. I knew Columbia. I went to college here. I got saved here. I got turned on to God here. You know, and I knew the condition of Columbia spiritually. I knew it wasn't good. When we moved here, only 9% of our population was church. Now 11% of it's church. I guess that means 2% of them came to our church. I'm not real sure. But anyway, but uh, we're still under church as far as the city's concerned. You know, and Columbia means the city of a dove. It was, it was changed from Smithville to Columbia because a bunch of Christians came here and had revival here and dedicated this city to God. Well, when something's dedicated to God, God doesn't forget. This is why it's so important when you go to Israel. We were talking about Israel in our men's breakfast the other day, and Herman said there was just something about flying over when we were about ready to land, when you flew into the airspace of Israel. Well, the, the thing that was about that was the fact that you're going into a land God made a covenant with. He made a covenant with that land. There is a covenant here in Colombia that the city of Dove will reign again. And I believe that with my whole heart. Amen. And so, you know, Mark is speaking here. He said, these signs will follow. You know, and a lot of people don't understand what it means to speak in other tongues. In fact, I had a denominational minister tell me, he said, well, it almost sounds like vain babblings to me. You know, I didn't correct him because I wasn't that in that good of a relationship with him. But I wanted to say, well, you need to be careful because you are treading in an area of blaspheming against the Holy Spirit of God. Vain babblings. You know, vain babblings are idle words or negative words. When you're praying in tongues, you're praying to God, and your spirit's praying is what the Bible tells us. Here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said this. He said, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Okay, and we all have the Spirit of God on the inside of us when we're born again. The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. The Bible says if any man is in Christ Jesus, he's a new creature. That means his Spirit's on the inside of you. So if you're born again, his Spirit's on the inside of you. But this is a little different. He said when the Spirit, a Holy Ghost, comes up on you. Now, we're talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, baptism is from the outside working inward. In other words, when you're water baptized, you are submersed into water or water comes upon you. And so this is what he's saying. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power. You shall be a witness and you shall receive power is what it says. When the Holy Spirit, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, that power is the very power of God. 
That's what it's referring to. It's talking about the Holy Spirit's power. It's not your power, it's his power. And as Pastor Vicky said last week, it's not us that are healing people when we lay hands on people. It's our hands doing the work. I was helping Rick Weisner put a roof on a house one day, and one of the employees said, oh, my back hurts so bad. And I said, well, I'll fix that. And I went and laid hands on him, and we prayed for him, and his back was instantly healed. <laughs> Remember that? You know, and then later on, he tried to, and Rick said, well, what do you mean? I thought your back was healed. He said, well, it really still is, you know. You know, God has given you the ability to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You just can't be afraid of it. You can't, you can't be fearful of what if it doesn't happen. Well, what if it does happen? Praise God. Amen. It's a testimony of the goodness of God. And Romans tells us it's the goodness of God that will lead people to God or will cause repentance. And that's what real repentance is. And you mean God heals today? Absolutely. God heals. He blesses. He anoints. You know, his presence is in this house. And it's so amazing to know that we're having a spoil alert here in this house. And what God's doing. And many of you are experiencing that spoil. And if you haven't experienced your spoil yet, just get ready. It's coming. Amen. Glory to God. So you shall receive power. And here in Acts chapter 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. And suddenly a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat up, uh, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And so the Bible goes on and tells us that they were all speaking in other people's languages because it was a time of feast called the Feast of Pentecost. They were coming in to celebrate the uh, God and, and, and the harvest that God had blessed them with. And so they were all coming in from different areas, Jewish people from different areas, who had learned the language of the area they were in, but they were hearing the goodness of God being spoken in their own language. You know, and so some scholars say, well, this particular tongues was just for this opportunity for other people of other nations to hear the goodness of God. Well, let's just say that's so. What does other scripture say about it? Other scripture tells us that, you know, they laid hands on 12, and we're going to see that here in just a moment. They laid hands on 12 disciples who loved God, and they spoke in other tongues, and it didn't say anything about them being of other nations. And so tongues hasn't passed away. Tongues is still for today. Tell your neighbor tongues is still for today. And so Peter stood up. And standing with the eleven, he raised his voice and said, Men of Judah, all this is verse 14, all who dwell in Jerusalem, let it be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose. So isn't that something? They suppose they were drunk. Hmm, wonder why. Well, maybe because there was a manifestation of being intoxicated at this time. Sometimes when the power of God comes upon people's flesh, your flesh doesn't always react to it like you normally would. You know, how many of you have ever been shocked by a 110 outlet? Anybody here been shocked by that? How do you act? Hmm? You know, I mean, I, I've been shocked so many times. I was, oh, man, I can't believe I got shocked. It hurts. I don't like it. You know, but for some of you, you know, you would react differently to 110 than other people. You know, of course you would. Ooh, what was that? Well, that was the power that was, you know, electrical power, different type of power, but boy, I'll tell you what, if somebody had a picture of that, they'd say, man, you look like you're drunk after you got shocked. You were going around, whoa, 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 who
And uh, so, you know, these folks not, not, didn't get hit by electrical power. They got hit by a higher, higher power called the power of God. And they were whoa, 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 jumping around just, wow, what is this? You know, because the power of God touched them and ministered to them. And so let's not judge how people react to the power of God. We all react differently. And so, but that's what Peter was saying. They're not drunk as you suppose, you know, since it's only the third hour of the day. He's, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And so the Holy Spirit would be poured out in those days. And so we, we see that happening. Now let's move on to um, Acts chapter 10. Am I doing okay this morning? All right. So they all spoke in tongues. Acts chapter 10 talks about Cornelius, and this is one of my favorite passages of scriptures. You know, Cornelius was a Gentile. And so if you read Acts chapter 10, when we're just going to pick up here for sake of time, starting in verse 45, this is after Cornelius' family had heard the good news, had the vision of the angel, and had heard the good news, and Peter came and says here, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word, and those of circumcision who believed were astonished. What does that mean? That means the Jewish people who were saved, okay? They accepted Christ, and the Jewish people thought that they were the only ones who could accept Christ because they were the chosen people. They thought he came for them. Well, he did come for them, but he came for the whole world also. For God so loved the world. Hello, somebody. Aren't you glad he loves us Gentiles? Amen. And so, you know, the, the, so the Jewish people, they were astonished because, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter said, can anyone forbid water? So, you know, with the theology of, well, you know, you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you're baptized by water. Well, these people didn't. Hello, somebody. They got the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then Peter said, well, obviously they're saved, so first of all, let's just, you know, let's get them water baptized. Let's have them identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Let's get them water baptized. And so, obviously, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a different encounter than water baptism. And so here we got these, these new disciples, they're Gentiles, and they're all baptized in the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. Acts 19, let's turn to Acts 19, starting with um, verse 1. And it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, say disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not so much as heard whether there's a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, and to then what were you baptized? So they said, in the John's baptism. So John's baptism was a baptism of cleansing. And John's baptism wasn't anything unusual because they came out to him and saw him doing this baptizing, which, which was a kind of a type and shadow of water purification that the Jews did anyway. And they said, well, what kind of baptism is this? He said, this is a baptism of repentance. In other words, you need to get right because the Messiah is coming. Well, I think John already knew the Messiah had come, but he was trying to prepare a way for the Lord, and that's what he was prophesying to do. He was prophesying people to prepare. So it was a baptism of repentance. And so they were baptized under John's baptism, saying the people that believed on him would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard uh, this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, 
when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, these men were about 12 in all. So they did two things. Number one, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. Well, the word prophesy, wherever you see the word prophesy like this in this situation in the Word of God, you know, when Peter said, your sons and the daughters shall prophesy, the word prophesy means to declare the word of the Lord. It can mean to declare the logos word of the Lord like I'm doing right now. I'm prophesying. Or it can mean that maybe God has put something special in my heart or something like Pastor Vicky brought out that we don't have in the scriptures, but it's a word from God. It says in the Bible that he'll let his prophets know first what he's going to do. God's going to let his prophets know first what he's going to do. So they prophesy what God's about to do or maybe a warning like we got today. But so the word prophesy means to declare the word of the Lord. So they're declaring the word of the Lord. They could be declaring God is so good. Faithful is our God. His mercy endureth forever. Whatever they're doing, they're, they're prophesying or they're declaring the word of the Lord. But there's something else that's added to it, and that is they're praying in other tongues. And so we see that these disciples who love God, but they didn't know that there was such a thing as the baptism of the Holy Spirit of God, and they didn't know that once they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that there was an added uh, component to it called speaking in other tongues. And so we see something here in Romans chapter 8, why it's so important that we speak in other tongues. In Romans chapter 8, starting with verse 24, it says, For we are saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, okay, so what is the biggest challenge with, with what the author is trying to say here to the Roman church? You know, what's the biggest part, hard, hardest part about hope when you're hoping for something? You're hoping it will come to pass, but it hasn't come to pass. So what's the hardest part when you're hoping for something? Isn't it waiting? Huh? That's the hardest part. Isn't it waiting? We're still waiting for the outpouring of the Spirit. Yes, we have the presence of God in this house, but you know what? God doesn't want us to have a church where the presence is in these four walls. God wants us to have a church where the presence is going out of these four walls and touching this community, touching this county, touching this state, and touching this nation. That's what God really wants. That's what God wants for us, you know, but we're hoping. We're still hoping. Well, what is part of hoping? Part of hoping is having that ability to wait. And so it says here in verse 26, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Well, what is part of our weakness? Sometimes our weakness is, is you know, looking at the circumstances saying, well, how come it hasn't come to pass yet? How come this prayer hasn't been answered? I've been waiting. I've been praying. You know, and I don't know about you, but there's been times I told God he's missed some great opportunities to answer my prayers. How about you? You know, you think, well, but you know what? God has a season. Just like Joseph, sometimes the word of the Lord's tested. You know, are you going to persevere and wait on God? Or whose report are you going to eventually believe? You're going to believe God's report and continue to believe God's report? I'm going to keep on standing on God's word because I know he's faithful. He's never failed me. He never will fail me. He'll never fail you. And I don't know how and I don't know when, but I know he'll do it again. These are what God's promises are. He watches over his word to perform it. And he is performing his word. But part of that performance is what are we saying? What are we believing? 
Where are we at? So we do have weaknesses. Sometimes we do have challenges walking in faith. Sometimes we do have challenges because the circumstances we see looks overwhelming, looks greater than the promises of God. Come on, somebody help me. I'm not the only one that walks through this. I'm human just like you. You know, I'm not anointed to live this. I'm anointed to preach it. But I have to live it the same way you have to live it. I have to speak to my mind. I have to speak to my thought life. I have to speak out with my own mouth those things which I believe God's doing. And God is doing great and wonderful things, and they'll be marvelous in your eyes. So likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The author speaking here is talking about praying in other tongues, praying in the Spirit. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So the Spirit of God makes intercession. So when you're praying in the Spirit, you're praying the perfect will of God. You are praying, you can't pray any more perfect will of God than when you're praying in other tongues. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. You know, this is something that's kind of added to this particular, I mean, it's, it's in the scripture, but it's added to that because so many times when we're praying, we're praying the will of God. But you know what? What praying in the Holy Spirit does is it begins to open our minds and our souls to how God's going to do these things. You know, God spoke to us a couple of weeks ago through Isaiah chapter 43. And it says, forget the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I do a new thing. You know, and we begin to pray this new thing out. We don't know exactly what it looks like, but one thing we do know is that God's doing a new thing. A new thing means it's something that's never been done. And I believe God's going to do something that's never been done in the, in the church. I believe it's going to be this church. And some people are going to say, well, God's never done it that way before. Well, you know what? Why should we limit the Holy One? <clears throat> And I believe God's doing a new thing, you know. And I said, look at this, Vicky. Even the, even the, 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 the beast of the field, the, the other creations will honor God. They'll know this new thing. He says, I'll make rivers in the desert. What does that mean? That means that he's going to make an abundant supply for this new thing. Wherever there are rivers, rivers there are, there's abundance. You know, there's growth around rivers. There's, there's, there's the water supply. So he's going to make a river when it doesn't seem the way. In other words, he's going to pioneer a new thing. And so one of the things about pioneering this new thing, one of the things that I'm doing in my own heart is saying this, God, help me not miss it. Help me not miss it. I already have a preconceived idea of what God can do because I've experienced what God can do. I've read about revivals. I was a student of revival. I read about Charles Finney's revival. You know, we read about uh, Marie Edder Wood, Marie Woodward Edder, okay, anyway. And, you know, God used her in St. Louis. She was having a revival, and she was frozen for three days, you know. That was an unusual sign that God did. You know, well, I'm not asking God to free, freeze me for three days. I got other things to do. I don't want to be stuck and look like a statue. And I'm not saying he can't do that, okay? But, you know, we get these preconceived ideas because of what we know God's done. But this is something we don't know that God's going to do. And we need to be careful that we don't allow these preconceived ideas of how revival is going to hit this place. 
and stop what God's really doing. And so in this new thing that he's doing, we need to begin to proclaim, because it's been spoken over this house, you know, I'm doing a performance. You know, this is a doable and intentional year. I believe that with my whole heart. You know, but we need to be careful that we don't allow our minds to have a preconceived idea that God can only do it a certain way. Because God's saying, forget the former things nor consider the things of old. I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing right here at Family Worship Center. And for some of you, I'm doing a new thing in you. I'm doing such a new thing. Some of you are going one direction, but you're going to be going a 180 degree different direction. And it's going to be so much better for you. You never thought or even saw yourself doing some of these things. But God says, I've already saw it years ago. This is what I created for you. That's a new thing God's doing. God's doing a new thing in each and every one of us. But you know, we shall know it. Shall you not know it? It'll be so obvious. It'll spring forth. It'll be like a suddenly, bam, one day it's like we're having church. And the next day it's like, what happened to our church? <laughs> you know? It's going to be incredible, but we have to, what, what do we need to do? If all things work together for the good of them, for the good of them that do what? In their weakness and the ones who struggle with, yeah, I've heard this for 25 years, Pastor. I've heard you say there's going to be revival. Well, you know what? If it doesn't happen, I'm going to say it for another 25 years because I believe in God. And what builds me up? Praying in the Holy Ghost. What helps me know that he's doing a new thing? Praying in the Holy Ghost. What keeps me open to the new thing? praying in the Holy Ghost. That's what God wants for us. And so Paul, you know, you saw there in Acts chapter 19 how he came to Corneth. And so that's where some of these disciples, you know, got the uh, baptism of the Holy Spirit. But then all of a sudden, Paul is writing the church of Corneth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he has to teach the Gentiles a little bit of how to operate in these gifts. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 starting with verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant, okay? So I want you to note he's saying something here. He's calling this a gift, spiritual gifts, okay? The spiritual gifts. You know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols, however you were led. What's Paul saying here? Paul's saying, listen, you know, you people of Corinth, you know, you had idols, you have culture, you have, you know, some things ingrained in you. And because of these idols and your environment and your culture, you're starting to take the new thing that God's doing and you're starting to make an idol out of it. You don't make an idol out of these gifts. Just because you operate in the gift, one of these gifts, doesn't make you more spiritual than other people. You know, I know that when we were in Bible school, we all wanted to be used of God. We all wanted to be used of the gifts. And then afterwards, we were all patting each other on the back saying, did you see how God used me, me, me? Well, we were just excited about God. You know, we wanted God to use us, you know. But, you know, the truth is that, you know, God can use a donkey. Hello, somebody. And he has used a donkey. You know, he's even spoken, you know, where some people thought it sounded like a trumpet, you know, but he has spoken. He's spoken other times where other people just heard thundering, but he spoke, you know, and so God can use whatever he wants to get his word out there. And so this is what he's saying. He's saying, look, you're not any more spiritual and don't make this, you know, a placard in your life because God used you in a gift. He can use anybody. 
who is willing at that particular time. And this is what he's trying to say. Don't get carried away. Don't make these, these idols. Don't categorize certain people who operate in these gifts more than other people. Okay? We're all people. We're all born of the same shed blood of Jesus Christ as everybody else. But he goes on, Therefore I make known to you that no one speaks by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversity of gifts. There's that word again, gifts. We're talking about the gifts here, the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The diversity of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversity of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. The manifestation of the Spirit or the manifestation of these gifts is to edify everybody, not make an idol out of somebody. To edify everybody, not make an Oh, man, did you see that, that person? Boy, they got the gift. I'm telling you, they, whoa, they got the gifts. Well, we're not to idol a person. We're not to make an idol out of a person. Okay? But it's to edify everyone. Okay? For one is given a word of wisdom through the Spirit, another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith, uh, the same Spirit, another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, another work in the miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning the spirits. That's not the, the spirit of suspicion. Okay? Well, I discern. Mm-hmm. I discern that you were at the tavern the other day. No, you suspected that. Discerning of spirits doesn't tell you where somebody's been. Okay, it tells you what kind of spirit's operating in the situation. Boy, I'm really teaching well this morning. To another, different kinds of tongues, and to another, interpretation of tongues. But one and the same spirit works all these, distributing to each one as he wills. Now, let's go over to 1 Corinthians 14, because he picks it back up here. And he begins to teach us how these things work, Okay. So Paul, Paul said, pursue love. We know 1 Corinthians 13 is the love chapter. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, especially that they may prophesy. Okay, so again, the word prophesy is not, thus saith the Lord. You know, uh, the grass is going to be blue and the sky is going to be green by this day tomorrow. Okay, I mean, that's just an illustration, you know. Uh, but, you know, it's not, it's not that. Prophesying is speaking the word of God preaching the Word of God, teaching the Word of God, just like I'm doing right now, I'm prophesying. Biblically, I'm prophesying by teaching the Scriptures here. For he who speaks in tongues does not speak to men, but to God. That's you praying to God. He who speaks. For no one understands him, however, he's in, in the Spirit he speaks mysteries. In other words, he's praying the perfect will of God. But he who prophesies or preaches the word speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. So the preaching is to edify, exhort, and bring comfort. But he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. So praying in tongues is for you. Praying in other tongues is for you. He who speaks in tongues edifies himself, but he who preaches or prophesies edifies the church. 
I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesy, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless indeed the gifts are operating, is what he means here, he interprets that the church may receive edification, unless it's the gift of tongues that needs to be interpreted. And so when you pray in other tongues, you are edifying yourself. If you have a tongue to be interpreted, then you edify the church. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you by either revelation, by knowledge, or prophesying, or by teaching? In other words, if I got up here and I just used my prayer language, you know, you probably wouldn't be edified. I might be edified, but you wouldn't be edified. You'd leave and you'd say, what'd he say? Well, I don't know, you know, unless there was a tongue to be interpreted, okay? So he goes on, he says, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make sounds, unless they make distinctions in sounds, how will it be known what is piped or played? For the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will be prepared for battle? So likewise, you, unless you utter by tongues words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them without significance. Therefore, I do not know the meaning of the language. I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you're zealous for the spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church. Therefore, let him who speaks in tongue pray that he may interpret. If I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. In other words, I'm not really sure what I'm saying sometimes either, Paul said. But I, I am praying when I'm praying in tongues. So what is the conclusion? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. There are times, and if you guys turn around and you look at this wall, that's an example of me praying in the Spirit. You know, I would come in the auditorium and I would walk around and pray and pray and I kept on seeing this wall and seeing this wall and I kept on adding and seeing this wall. You know, the first time I told my wife, you know, she, she oversees the, you know, the, the budget of the house and the ministry of the house and she knows that once I get something, I have a tendency to start making it happen. You know, so the very first time a few years ago, I said, man, I really believe we need to build a wall. She said, not today. But there's a right timing for it. No, but I prayed in the Spirit. And I prayed in the Spirit, and I saw the wall. I saw this platform being built this way. I saw, saw this, and I prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. Well, I don't know all the things that I prayed out, I'll be honest with you. But the wall's here. But not only is the wall here, but the $157,000 up update that we did to this church was paid for in 10 months. Amen. Don't patty cake. Give God praise. Amen. And I believe that my praying, praying in mysteries, even though I didn't know, because I think it would have choked me if I knew it was going to be $157,000. I thought a wall would be $20,000, you know. But there was a lot more to it than I knew. But God knew. And my spirit prayed this thing in. I knew I was praying in the Spirit. All of a sudden, I said, well, well I, I, I believe. I start, I call a wall there, you know, in the name of Jesus. I call a wall. I call this place, you know, updated. I mean, we had cinder block walls over there. For those who are new, you didn't know that, you know. It worked, but it's ugly, okay? 
We didn't even have baseboard in this house in here, you know. I wanted it to look nice, you know. Just start calling things. As I was praying in the Spirit, then I knew what to pray in my understanding. And so I was praying mysteries, you know. But eventually I saw those mysteries unfold. And this is what God's doing. You know, when you pray in other tongues, he's, giving, he's causing you to pray things that you might see later on. And that's, that's the powerful thing about it. What scripture was I on here? You guys were really paying attention, weren't you? But 15. Okay, so what's the conclusion? I'll pray with the Spirit, and I'll pray with understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding. In other words, if you bless with the Spirit, how is he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? For indeed, give thanks well, but the other is not edifying. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, now where are we at? He's talking about corporate gathering. Amen. This is what he's referring to, the corporate gathering here. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brethren, do not be children in understanding, however in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law, it is written, oh, this is why we believe this is a doctrine of the church, because it's also in the Old Testament. Is salvation in the Old Testament? Salvation's in the New Testament, so salvation's a doctrine. Is healing in the Old Testament? Then he, and healing's in the New Testament, so this is a doctrine in the church. These are foundational truths that we believe is ours as Christians. Well, tongues is in the Old Testament, too. Most people don't know that. This is in the book of Isaiah. With men, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that they will not hear me. He said, even with the gifts of tongues, there are some people who won't hear me or won't, won't, won't uh, understand what's going on, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign, not for those who believe, but the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. So preaching's for us. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in one of you uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if you all prophesy or speak the word of God, what have, we been, what have we been sharing this last four weeks? Speaking the word of God. What's it say in the book of Timothy? Well, we say, you know, uh, your warfare, war with the prophecies concerning you or the promises that are concerning you. Take the word of God and speak it out of your mouth. You know, there's a spoiler, and some of you are taking that as a prophetic word, which it was spoken to this house, and you're speaking it out of your, your mouth, and you're getting it. This is what he's saying here. He's just validating the power of your words. But if you prophesy and an unbeliever or an unformed person comes in, he's convinced by all or convicted, and he is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his hearts are revealed, so falling down on his face, he'll worship God and report that God is truly among you. How is it, brethren? In other words, he's bringing this thing to conclusion. When you come together, each of you have a song, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has interpretation. Let all things be done for the edifying of the church. This is what it's for. It's for the edifying of the church. If anyone speaks in tongue, let there be two or three at most, and in turn be interpreted. Now he's talking about the gifts. If the gifts are going to manifest, let somebody interpret that particular gift. But if there's no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak and let the other judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. 
For you all can prophesy one by one that all may learn and all be encouraged. The spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, but God's not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in church, for they're not permitted to speak, but to be submissive, as the law also says. That's another teaching. Can I move on? Okay. All right. That was cultural teaching at that particular time, because it says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Okay? Doesn't mean women can't preach in the church or teach in the church. Another patty cake or another applause? In fact, I'll say that some women are better preachers than men, but I better leave that one alone. But anyway, if they want to learn, anyway, all right, so, all right, let's, let's, let's move on here. So verse 36, or did the word of God originally come from or was it only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things which I write to your commandments of the Lord. But if anyone's ignorant, let him stay ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak in tongues and let all things be done decently and in order. And so if somebody feels like they have a tongue to be interpreted and I'm preaching and they just blab it out, is that orderly? No. So how does it work in this church? If God's going to use you, and we want God to use you in this church, if you feel like you have a word or a tongue, what we want you to do is we want you to come to the front, either one of us are preaching, or maybe if it's a guest minister or whatever, sit down, let us know, hey, I feel like God's stirring in my heart something. You know? And one time somebody came and said, I have a word for the church. I said, what is it? Well, I can't tell you. Then you can't give it. You mean you can't tell me what you're supposed to tell everybody else? Isn't the head of the church, shouldn't they know first? Doesn't your natural head know first what you're going to do? So why wouldn't the spiritual head not know first? Come, that, folks, that's doing things in decent and order. Are you learning something today? Validating what the Word of God says? Okay, well, let's move on here. Let's go to Jude 20, and this kind of comes along with what Pastor Vicky was sharing earlier. Jude 20 is the, the, the second to the last book in the Bible. It's only one chapter. And Jude 20, uh, you know, really, he's telling us about what's going to happen in the last days. And we'll just start right here in verse 12. These are spots in your love feast, while they feast with you without fear, serving only themselves. There are clouds without water, carried about winds, laid autumn trees without fruit, twice dead, pulled up by the roots, raging wave of the sea. Uh, foaming up in their own shame, wandering stars from whom is reserved for blackness and darkness forever. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied about these men, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, complainers, walking according to their own lusts. And they mouths uh, uh, great swelling words, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken to you by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last time and would walk according to their own ungodly lusts. These are sensual persons who cause division, not having the spirit. Is that what's going on in our world today? Is there a massive division in our world today, in our society today? Everywhere you look, there's some type of division, grumbling, complaining. This is how you handle it. You 
Build yourself up, beloved. Building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. In other words, praying in other tongues. Praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourself in the love of God, looking for the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ on eternal life. And so what Jude's saying, he said, listen, you've got the answer here. In other words, James said, you know, that, you know, no man can tame the tongue. He talked about how the tongue is like the rudder of a ship or a bridle on a horse. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Gives direction. He said, but no man can tame the tongue. But I'm here to tell you, the Holy Ghost can tame the tongue. Amen. And when you're tempted to say things that maybe you don't want to say or, or you're frustrated with something, you know, if you pray in other tongues, you will never miss the will of God. In fact, you know, it's, you know, again, I'm human, you know, and there are, you know, uh, things that I walk through. I saw a t-shirt the other day. I should have bought it. It said that, you know, uh, if I, uh, I'm going to give it to God because if I don't, I'll end up in jail. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I can relate to that, you know. And, uh, you know, I want to take some things in my own hands, you know. But anyway, um, you know, but it's when I'm praying in the Spirit and I'm troubled that all of a sudden my whole mind begins to shift, my whole soul begins to shift, and I begin to see it from a different perspective. You know, how come, how come God, you don't handle this situation? Well, God sees things from a different perspective. You know, he sees things out of the eye of love, the eye of mercy. He justifies, you know, that's how he sees things, you know. I don't always see things that way. Come on, let's be real, how many of you? And say, I don't always see things that way either. I don't always see that things that way. But you know, when I start praying in the Spirit, it starts building me up. And it starts putting me in that position where all of a sudden, you know what, I'm able to see things maybe the way God's seeing it. Maybe God's not seeing it that way, but, but, but you know, most of the time, it's a, it's a way of seeing it with mercy and compassion and being able to let it go. And then it builds me up to the place where I can even pray for a person who I don't want to pray for. That's what praying in the Holy Ghost does. It builds you up. It's for your edification. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's Word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time, remember, you are God's best.